Welcome to another message from Citizen Heights. We are located in the nation's capital, where our heart is to inspire hope, remove limitations, and help you experience God's possible for your life. Join Pastors Michael and Heather Giroux in their passion to help you live your best life. We hope you enjoy today's encouraging and uplifting message. Are you ready today, church? Are you ready today? And uh, it's going to be a good day in God's house. Just put your, no- your neighbor on notice right now. Say, get ready. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Husbands and wives not talking to each other in church. Just looking around, watching. Yeah, I'm not going to say that to him. Maybe there was a fight earlier today. Just make up quickly. God is going to do good things in your life. And uh, I want to welcome our online campus as always. We love you. So glad that you're joining with us. G- give yourself a screen name. Uh, get involved. And uh, it's an awesome, awesome, awesome thing that you can join us no matter where you are. When you're traveling, take us with you because uh, you're part of the family. And also, right now, we get to welcome our, uh, our Dulles campus. So let's go ahead and... I don't see the uh, red light, but I'm assuming that you're with us, uh, Dulles Campus, and we love you. So glad that uh, we can connect. We're one church. We're all over the world. We're in multiple locations and campuses, but God is doing the same thing uh, across the church. And so welcome, Dulles Campus. And uh, man, we got water baptisms today. I'm excited about water baptisms. I think it's one of those highlights of... um, of church experience when you watch people kind of take that next step. And if you have not signed up for water baptism at either of the campuses, can I just, can I give a plug right now? A little, little water baptism commercial. You know, it's the line of demarcation. Water baptism is where you go from, from, uh, you know, step into a fruitful life in God. And, and really what it's symbolic of is you're identifying with the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. When you go into the baptism waters, you're identifying with, a, with the death and the burial of Jesus, but not just that, but the resurrection. So the old man is gone, and you come up, and if Jesus got water baptized, I'm getting water baptized. You know what I mean? And uh, I got sprinkled as a child because I was raised Catholic, but then I made a decision for myself. And uh, I think you should dedicate your babies, but I think as a, as a person with... Uh, agency and autonomy, you should make your own decision that I'm going to serve God and I'm going to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and I'm going to get water baptized. So if you didn't come ready, we're ready for you. We've got t-shirts, we've got flip-flops, we've got the things that you would need. Your hair and you are on your own. But uh, we would love to see you get water baptized at the conclusion of our experience today at both of our campuses. It's uh, not too late to join that list. Who do they see? Who should they see if they want to jump in line? Okay, so you can talk to anybody with a, with a lanyard in the back at both campuses and say, I want to, I want to get water baptized today, and we'll, let that ha- we'll make sure that that happens. We're a church that likes to stick around and cheer for those who are making that big step of faith. And uh, I remember I remember when Marcus got water baptized. I just told him, I was like, I remember the day you got water baptized right out there in that tank. And, uh, and, and so it's, it's a big moment, significant moment. So let's go ahead and turn in our Bibles together. Do you like the Bible? 
Man, I love you, church. I do love you. I just got to say, I love you, church. I think you are the greatest church of all time. I could never hope for a, for a different place or a different, a different church or a different community. Uh, but we love the Bible here at Citizen Heights, so we're going to open together to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're talking about eternity ever after. We're going to read verses 1 through 10. And uh, we're talking about uh, eternity ever after. And we're talking about reprioritizing our life now for the afterlife that is next. Okay? We're, we're, we, we've really established that we're hardwired for eternity. We were created with eternity in mind. Right? Ecclesiastes 3.11, we've been reading this, that he also set eternity in our hearts. God put eternity inside you. God made you forever. Do you understand this? So it's, it's how God made us. We are eternal beings. We're hardwired for it. The problem is much of our lives, we, we, we short circuit the eternal wiring that, uh, that with, with the concerns of this now, with the pains of now, with the pursuits of now, with the pleasures of the here and now, as if the here and now is all there is. But the here and now is not all there is. That is a, it, it's not all you get. That's a sobering thought, isn't it? What that means is the Bible tells us that the last chapter that we, that we know, we know of the last chapter of death, is not really the last chapter. Right? Some people in, at Citizen Heights and who carry our culture and DNA know that we don't have presentations on Sunday morning. We have conversations on Sunday morning. And so they know it's, it's one thing to sit by the word and listen to it. It's another thing to sit under the word and receive an impartation from it. And the action uh, of that moment is really us with an amen saying, so be that in my life. So if you're part of Citizen Heights, I would encourage you to get hungry for what God has said and what we're about to discuss. Can I hear an amen? The Bible tells us the last chapter of death is not the last chapter that God writes. God's story is an eternal story. And this present life is not all that there is. There is an, e there is an eternity on the other side of this life. And once you believe in a biblical eternity and you, and you start to live with a biblical eternity in view, you live differently. Hello. See, that is a big deal to live with eternity in view. So I want you to ask yourself today, what if, what if, what if uh, human beings were created to live forever, an eternal being? What if this present life isn't the destination, it's actually preparation for the final destination? What if this decides, the now that I'm living in decides the consequences and rewards of the next I'll be going to? These are big questions, aren't they? And you live your life here and now better when, you're, when the final chapter of eternity and next is in clear view. So I hope we can get it in clear view today together. And uh, we, we all have a choice to make about eternity. And so this series that we're talking about, Eternity Ever After, really it's playing on that, that how all the, story, all the stories and all the, the child stories and the bedtime stories end, right? Happily ever 
after. And you have a decision to make about eternity. And, and our assumption as we're moving through this eternity is the eternity ever after for the righteous. But there are other options, right? It's a choice that we make. You can either be happily ever after in eternity or, or miserably, regrettably tormented ever after. That's the reality. So if I'm going to live forever, this is just me. I'm just speaking for me, but you might want to consider. If I'm going to live forever, I want my forever to be in the presence of God. I want my presence to be in the perfection and the plan of God for my life. I want my forever to be in the blessing and reward of God. And so let's jump in. Week one, we talked about uh, developing an eternal perspective and, and living with an eternal perspective. The second week, we, we talked about an eternal priority. So if you miss those two weeks, those are foundational. Those are fundamental to, to the building blocks of, of where we're going. I'd encourage you to go back, pick those up. Uh, but today we're going to move on. We've got 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Hopefully you've found it by now. This is Paul writing to a church much like ours in a city called Corinth. And uh, he, he's speaking to one of the news. There are, there are three news that we will see in eternity. And so he speaks to one of these things. Let's, let's pick it up at verse 1. It says, For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and we leave the earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body. Everybody say eternal body. You will have an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We, verse 2, we grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. Verse 3, for we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. Verse 4, while we live in these earthly bodies, we groan, we sigh, but it's not that we want to die and get rid of the bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared us for this. Let's uh, conclude verse 9. Verse 9 says, So whether we are here in this body or away from this body in the next body, it says, what is our goal? Matter of fact, let's read this together. Our goal, oh, let, let, me get, let me get, are you with me? Sorry. Our goal is to please him. Amen. And then it tells us why. Verse 10, for we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or the evil we have done in this earthly body. Can you say amen? I looked at Tammy while we were wrapping up worship, and I said, I can't wait to talk about eternity again today. I don't really know why. I get really excited about talking about it. I told Heather the same thing. I said, Heather, I don't have anything, you know, uh, amazing to really add or say. It's just when I read the Bible, it gets me an eternal perspective, and I suddenly, it's kind of like, have you ever, uh, have you ever focused on something in a, in a picture that was not worthy of your focus? You know, and it's like the foreground or the, the background, but there's something in it that is so much more. And I think sometimes in life we're focusing on the minutia of the moment and we forget about the, the, the depth and the gravity and the bigness of eternity. And it's just, it's just one of those sobering thoughts that gets me excited to go, it, it's amazing, it's almost incomprehensible that 
everything for eternity. Remember, eternity, we talked the first two weeks. Eternity is not a really, really, really long time. Right? Eternity isn't a really, 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 really long time. Eternity is the absence of time. It's outside of time. It's existence forever. And what it just boggles the mind to think the decisions I make in this temporal space shape my eternal space. Right? We have a lot of questions about eternity. You know? Will I recognize family members and family relationships? Uh, Some have asked, I'm getting a lot of texts during this series. People are like, will my dog be there? I'm asking the same question. I love my dog. Some of you are cat people and I mean, I don't, even if dogs are in heaven, I'm not sure cats are making it there. I'm just going to say, they seem to be fueled by the dark one himself. No, kidding. All creatures of our God and King. So wonderful. But I would love for my dog to be there. I love my dog. I'm about to get a second dog. And Heather said it's okay, so... And I hope my dogs go, but, but uh, you know, we have these questions, you know, will my glorified body be able to eat carbs in heaven? I think that's a great question. You know, I'm getting a lot of questions about glorified bodies and what eternity, we all have our questions, and some of our questions are answered in the Bible, and some of them are not, but let me just encourage you. The Bible does not tell us everything about eternity, but the Bible does tell us everything we need to know about eternity, and so you might not have every question answered, but, but hopefully, as we track into this, the doctrine of eternity will begin to give you perspective for your here and now like never before. Right? It, the doctrine of eternity is not abstract. You know, it's not like this impersonal point of Christian theology that we just, oh, let's just be cerebral and dive deep into this, this inconsequential subject matter. No, the doctrine of eternity, it tells us things so they can, they can inform the way we live right now. That's what the doctrine of eternity does. It tells us that, we'll, that, that uh, specifically, some of the things that the Bible tells us is it tells us there will be three news in eternity. And uh, it, it talks about a new body, talks about a new heaven, and it talks about a new earth. So I want to talk to you today about a new body. And, and we're going to discuss an eternal me, all right? And, and there's, there's just two attributes that we clearly see that I want to I want to zero in on about an eternal you. Turn to your neighbor and say I'm eternal. Right? We're going to talk about the eternal you as we see in the pages of scripture in the first the first thought is simply this. As always, if you want to hop on Citizen Heights app, you can follow along in the discussion notes. But number 1 is this. We know that our new body will be like Jesus's resurrected body. This is what we know. We might not know everything about eternity, but we know everything we need to know. Uh, The Bible tells us everything we need to know, and we know that our new body will be like Jesus' resurrected body. My glorified body, scriptures talk about it as as a glorified body, uh, will be like Jesus' glorified body. And so Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 uh, gives us gives us some foundation for this. So let's read this these three verses. It says, team can put this up for us. It says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. That's poetic language. The first fruits of those who have died. For as 
by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection. He's talking about Adam. Death came through Adam, but eternal life came through Jesus. And then verse 22, it says, for as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. What is it saying? It's saying Jesus is the first fruit. Jesus, that means he sets the example and leads the way for how we will be resurrected. So, so we're talking about Jesus. We're talking about a glorified body. Now, can I just tell you, that is the glow up of all glow ups. When you go from your body now to your resurrected body, that is the ultimate. Don't you love glow up stories? Don't you love like the before and after pictures? And, and uh, I've always wanted to have a glow up before and after. You know, I always get the before picture. That's the easy part, right? It's the after picture that is elusive. Um, and that glow up is like you, significant transformation and, and uh, you know, an improvement in your health or an improvement in your appearance. And, you know, th- those body transformation pictures, sometimes you see them and you, and you think, how can that be the same person? You know, maybe you saw somebody after three years of pandemic and you're like, glow up. What? That, is it really you? And then there's the rest of us who didn't use our time as wisely. Uh, you know, but no matter how good the glow up, I, I have some sobering news for you. Second Corinthians 4 talks about our bodies. And, and, and it says this. It says, we do not lose heart. Careful, this is not the part that you're, you might lose heart on this first part, but there's a second part, so hang on. So, so we do not lose heart, though our outward self is wasting away. But don't lose heart, because your inner self is being renewed day by day. So what it's saying is the outer self, the body that you have, that we have, it's decaying, it's wasting away, right? Hello? Anybody <laughs> experience it? It's just me. We are all, whether you like it or not, are succumbing to the second law of thermodynamics. Every system left to itself tends towards a state of maximum disorder. And some of us have more disorder trending than others. But all of us, you know, your hair is thinning, maybe. Your muscle mass is decreasing, possibly. My sons don't believe me. I have four sons. And I, I, I look at my sons like, style your hair like it's its last day every day. Because you never know when the last day comes. They think it's going to be there forever. You know, they'll eat whatever they want to eat and enjoy their 7% body fat bodies. And I say, the outer man is wasting away. Right? Testosterone is going down, hearing loss. Heather and I having conversations more and more. It's hilarious. You know, you'd think we're shouting over, you know, airplane engine noise. We're, we're in the same room talking to each other. And it's like, what? What did you say? And, you know, you misquote in a ter- fantastic way. You know, totally missed the meeting. Uh, you know, back pain, neck pain. The outward man is wasting away. So lift weights, eat right, and make this temple work for you as long as you need it to work for you. It's not a reason to give up. But when your metabolism screeches to a halt, 
You know, you can tell yourself you're aging gracefully. Go ahead. But, but we all know you, you mysteriously injured yourself taking a nap recently. You know, you got up and you're like, what? what? I pulled a muscle. What were you doing? I, I took a nap. It was a very strenuous nap. You know, you can tell yourself that you're aging gracefully, but the Bible says the outward self, the now body you have, is on the clock. It's wasting away. It's decaying. But take heart, right? And and there's a next verse. Let me show you verse 17. The very next verse says, For our light and momentary affliction. So we're, we're so used to living in the moment. We live for the moment. We plan for the moment. We financially scheme for the moment because this, we're living for the now. But you can't take this moment into eternity. You live in eternity from the decisions you make in these moments. Not the, not the accumulations that you, that you gather in these moments. And look what it says. It's producing for us an eternal weight of glory. It's beyond comprehension. You're living for the moment, but there's an eternal. You have an inner self. You have an eternal self. That is the now you. But there's going to be a next you. There's a now you. But there's going to be a new you. And the, the blip on the timeline of life of 70, 80, 90 years, just that little, it's a pencil lead in an inexhaustible line of thread. That is, the, that is the gravity. And that new you is determined by the decisions you make right now. That's, I don't know, that encourages me. That focuses me. That new you is filtered by what we read in verse 9 of our passage this morning. So whether we're here in this body or the next body, one thing is going to stay the same. Our goal is to please him. I'm not waiting for eternity to please him. I'm living right now to please God. Oh, man. And if I live that kind of life, my glorified body will be like Jesus' glorified body. Hey, Romans 6, 5, if you're still not sure about this, it says, for if we have been united with him in death like, the, like his, we'll certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We're going to be resurrected like Jesus. Philippians three twenty one says, the Lord in his power will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Man, that's a glow up. You can't, I mean, there's no way to get to it. But to make decisions in the here and now, I'm going to please God. I'm going to live to please God. We know that our new body, what do we know? What do we know about eternity? We know that our new body will be like Jesus' resurrected body. Number two, what do we know about eternity? We know Jesus' resurrected body was a real physical body. All right, so this is good theology. So you say, really? I, I, I thought Jesus was like, you know, he resurrected. He's kind of like a ghost. I'll die. I'll be. We got a lot of fake news about eternity based upon our cartoon theology, right? Your cartoon theology, you die, you float up, you're, you're a ghost, you know, you get your harp in your wings. And, but, but that's not what it says. It says we're going to be like Jesus, and Jesus' body was a real physical body. How do we know that? Well, Thomas in John chapter 20 Verse 27, physically touched the body of Christ following his resurrection. He touched his body. 
he had, Jesus had a solid body. He was in physical form. Okay? And Jesus said himself in Luke 24, let's put, put this up. Jesus said, as he showed himself after the resurrection to his disciples, he said, look, see my hands and my feet? It is me. It's myself. And he says this, touch me and see, for a spirit doesn't have flesh and bones, as you see that I do have. He says, I have flesh. The resurrected body of Jesus was a physical body. So it's a perfect spirit body, but it's a perfect physical body simultaneously. Jesus' glorified resurrected body, it still had visible scars and wounds. Uh, he could be physically touched. He could still touch others. He could, he could eat and drink. Some of you will be very glad to hear this. Yeah. The eating and drinking in, in eternity, apparently so. And Luke 24 uh, verse 42, let's read this. It says, while they still disbelieve for joy and they're marveling, Jesus said to them, have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, to, which to me is anticlimactic. And he took it and he ate it before them. So he could still eat. He could sit and talk. He could make a fire on the beach, as we see in John 21. He can catch a fish. He can make dinner, which is what he does for the disciples and prepares a meal when he's getting ready to restore Peter. Jesus is in a physical body doing physical things. Why is this significant? Well, Psalm, uh, Psalm 16.22 connects us to eternity. It says, you make known to me the paths of life, and in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So why is this significant? Because at your right hand, when we get there to eternity in his presence, it will, it will not be a never-ending church service. I am so glad. I cannot tell you how glad I am about that. That gives me so much joy. Now, we will be in the presence of the Lord, and I'm sure that if God made me, he knows what will ultimately fulfill me and, and give me pleasures forevermore. And so if there's a lot of worship, I imagine there will be, because it's awesome. But your physical body, it's, it talks about pleasures forevermore, a real physical body for physical interactions physical activities. It will not just be an eternity of spirituality, you know, uh, just, just foreverness of harps and hymns. It's like, no. A new me, perfect physicality, I already told you, 6'6". Six, six. You say, well, do we get to pick our body? Uh, it, it's, a, it's unclear because Jesus was recognized by some of the disciples, but he was not recognized by all the disciples. So we don't really know if Jesus' glorified body was fundamentally different in appearance than his original physical body. We know on the road to Emmaus, two of his disciples didn't even recognize him for an entire trip. To, they, they didn't recognize it until it says he opened their eyes and then they saw that it was him. So did they not recognize him because he looked different or was he just concealing himself? We don't really know. But if we get a choice, I've already booked it. Six foot six. 380-yard drives, you know, two-step, drop-step, dunk. It'll be an awesome, glorified body. It'll be a glow-up. You won't even recognize me. We'll have to wear name tags. It's the only way. The new me, 
and the, the, the perfect physicality, but understand the perfect spirituality. The combination that pleasures forevermore, pleasures in his presence, right? Pleasures in his purposes, pleasures in the new creation, pleasures without shame or guilt, pleasures without addiction, pleasures that, that, um, that are forevermore. There are amazing differences between your now physical body and your next eternal body. And 1 Corinthians 15 talks about it. It says our now bodies are perishable. They're dis- we've already talked about they, they're decaying. They're dishonorable and they're weak. But it says our new bodies will be imperishable. They'll be honorable and they'll be powerful. Jesus actually describes it as immortality. So no longer subject to, to decay and disease and death. In fact, we'll live with victory over sin. We'll live with, uh, without fear of sickness and death. We'll live, the Bible says in Revelation 21, that every tear will be tried, or dried, and there'll be no pain, and there'll be no agony, there'll be no shame, there'll be no regret. Why are we learning about the doctrine of eternity as, as we conclude? It's, it's hope for what comes next, but it's also help for what I'm in now. It's help right now. It's, it's deterrence in times of temptation. It's living hope and peace in times of trial and trauma. The, there's something that's coming after this, but what comes after this is 100% the direct result of this. I think about, this is old school. I, I'm going to lose half, half on this reference. This is not a popular culture reference. This is an ancient culture reference. But does anybody remember uh, Little House on the Prairie? <laughs> and I, I remember watching that growing up. And there's, there's this passage in the Bible in Matthew 5. And Laura Ingalls she, she gets a cut on her arm and it gets infected. And I remember the episode and she's, and, and nobody's at the house. They're all on a trip and they're gone for days. And there she is with this infected arm. It's not getting better. And she's got fevers and, and, and she opens the Bible. She does that thing where she just opens the Bible and points to a verse. You ever do Russian roulette righteousness? Like, all right, God, I'm going to do whatever you say, you know? And so she just opens the Bible, points to a verse. It's Matthew 5. If you're hand offends you, cut it off. For it would be better for you to enter into eternity without a hand than into hell. And so the whole scene plays out. And she's like, she gets a knife out. And we're all like, no, that's not good hermeneutics. You know, we're like, we're trying to stop her. But she's got the knife. And I think she passes out before she does it. And somebody comes in and finds her. And it's just like, but the, but the thought of Matthew 5 to say, if there's something that is happening in my life, in my world, in my now, that is, that is, that is going to keep me out of eternity, why am I dating it? Why am I courting it? Why am I taking long walks on the beach with it? Why am I having conversations with it and negotiating with it? Why am I trying to cohabitate with it? If it holds me back from eternity, it's better to rid myself of it. We just, 
You know, it's like that radical thing. Now, I don't want to hear later this week that any of you severed a member, all right? Because here's the beauty of it. Because of the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we have power now to walk in the grace of God. So, not perfect nature, but perfect grace. That's why Paul said, listen, Paul, Paul is healing everybody. In fact, Paul is healing so much so that they take one of his handkerchiefs and they start going around with his handkerchiefs in an apron and everybody he, they touch with his handkerchief gets healed. And you're like, wow, look at the amazing thing that God is doing in the now of Paul. But Acts 19 will tell you in the now of Paul, Paul said, I have a thorn in the flesh. Like I got something going in my body I can't get rid of. And I went to the Lord and I asked him three times, understand if you're Paul, people are walking around with handkerchiefs you touch and everybody gets healed, but you're not getting healed. I, I want the, the eternal blessing in my here and now, but only God decides. And, and Paul says something amazing. He says, it, God gave me a thorn in the flesh, and I don't know if Paul assumed this or if God just revealed it to him but Paul said the reason I have this thorn in the flesh I've asked God three times to get rid of it he hasn't gotten rid of it but then he showed me that because of all the revelations God gives me I would have gotten arrogant and so this thorn in the flesh is keeping me grounded in my now so that I make it to my next listen I hope God heals you in your here now whatever you're going through but if not there is a next that's coming. And if you enter to your next with a limp, your glorified body will be leaping. Because there's an eternity that we are living for to please God now. But if you're living to please yourself, living to please, you know, gathering up, you know, that 401k, I got that retirement, got that house, got that, I got all that stuff. It doesn't carry over to eternity so increase be a sower so you can sow into changing people's lives the purpose of wealth is to to give great reach to the gospel it's not it's not evil it's a tool in in god in god's hand for eternal impact and so when we go to Kenya later this year, and when we're sewing into El Salvador, when we go to Israel, you know, when we're doing homeless kits, you know, when we're doing all these things, we realize the ripple effects of this thing, we see them in the pond of our now, but they go beyond us into the eternity of tomorrow. I get excited when I talk about eternity because it's hope for, for now, but it's help for now it's help so how does this impact us we we must all stand before christ to be judged amen so i can reprioritize my now in preparation for my next some of us need to actually do some reprioritization you ever been in an accident or get a diagnosis that puts you cerebrally and, and sometimes literally and physically on the doorstep of eternity or maybe the loss of a loved one and you're, you're, you're there and you're, you're at the graveside going, man, where, where are they now? They're not gone. Their story 
is just beginning in eternity. And it has this way of tuning us into the maker's original plan. He wrote eternity on our hearts. We are eternal beings. You can say, oh, I'm just worm food when I die. It doesn't change the reality that God said you're eternal. And you'll either live in eternal presence of God where there are pleasures forevermore. To me, that says there's golf in heaven. Right? Like, there's, if there's pleasures forevermore, and if it's not golf, it'll be something way better because God will always exceed your expectations. He designed us. He knows what will bring us joy. But reprioritizing my now means setting a new filter for my life goal. And that filter we, we read in 2 Corinthians 5 now. We've talked about it a bunch. So whether I'm in this body or I'm in the next body, my goal is to please God. Does your life please God? Does your life please God? Is how you're living right now pleasing God? We live in the midst of a massive contradiction. Every day. We are forever people who fail to believe there's forever. How we spend our time, how we spend our money, how we handle disappointment, how we think about death, how we live, the things we choose. I want to pray for us right now. Amen. Would you close your eyes here? Tenley Town and Dulles, wherever you're viewing online, maybe you're listening on Monday morning. Just close your eyes and if we would give a moment for the Holy Spirit to take that question, highlight it, and really bring us to a place where we consider it. Am I living my life to please God? What do I need to rearrange? What do I need to prioritize? And we might have a list a significant list, but God doesn't want your list of how to make you better. He wants your heart. He wants one decision. It's a simple decision. You are made forever. You are made for eternity. It's your inescapable construction of your soul and your spirit. But pleasing God starts by finding peace in God. And you can't find peace in God without the cross. Accepting Jesus as your Savior, the one who forgives your sins, the one who makes your life new. It all starts there. And here's the truth. Life only works as it was meant to be when you live with forever in view, when you live with eternity in view. So with every eye closed, no moving around the room, both campuses, just eyes closed. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray a general prayer of dedication here in a moment. But before I do, I wanna give you a chance to respond. I'm gonna count to three, and when I hit three, I'm gonna invite you to lift your hand. When you lift your hand, I'm not gonna call attention to you. I'm not gonna trick you into standing up. I'm not gonna try to call you to the front. But there's something significant about an outward response to an inward decision to say, Jesus, I need you in my life. Even as we sang that song, holy, holy, holy. The Bible says we are to be holy even as God is holy. But none of us could attain that standard. All of us have sinned and fallen short of it. But the Bible says that Jesus came and maintained that standard of perfection. 
died on the cross in our place. And in that death, burial, and resurrection, paid the debt due. Because the Bible says, all have sinned and fall short. And that the, the payment of sin is death. And that we don't have to pay that price because Jesus paid it for us. And the good news of the gospel, when we accept Jesus by faith, the Bible says that we become Christians. Those who want to please God. Those who want to follow Christ. And our past is no longer remembered by God. That he chooses to forget all the things that we've done and all the things we should have done that we didn't do. And instead, when he sees you, he sees the perfect, sinless work of Christ. He sees you through the filter of what Jesus did on the cross. That is something you cannot earn. That is something that you can never work for. But it is something that you can accept as a gift of God. Are you ready to lift your hand today? If that's for you, one, don't wait. This might be the first time you've ever made this decision. This might be a recommitment moment because you know you need God in your life. Don't leave this room today uncertain about your eternity. Are you ready? One, don't wait. Two, he loves you right where you are, but he loves you too much to leave you where you are. He's got great plans for you. Hands already going up. One, two, three. That's it. Just put them up and say, yeah, include me in that prayer. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else say, yeah, I need that. Thank you, I got you. Anybody else? Up in the balcony, Dulles campus, right where you are at home, just lift your hand. You say, nobody sees me here. God sees you. And that hand in the air is the universal sign of surrender. That hand in the air is a universal sign of saying, I know the answer. The answer is Jesus. I've been running from him, but God has pursued you to this place this very day to say, I've got a plan for you. I got a purpose for you. I'm not done with you. I didn't disqualify you. I didn't discard you. Praise God. Anybody else say, yeah, include me in that prayer. You can put your hands down. Maybe you didn't feel comfortable lifting your hand, but you know this is for you. You're going to pray this prayer with us nice and loud. Dear Jesus, Jesus, I give you my life life. because you first gave me yours. yours. I love you, Jesus, Jesus. because you first loved me. me. So I give you all that I am. I give you all I I used to be. I give you all that I hope to be. I want to please God. Now say this boldly. I am a Christian. By God's grace, I've been saved. God's grace, I've been saved. In Jesus, name. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's rejoice with those who just prayed that prayer. Amen? Amen.